This is a sermon podcast from Ashland First United Methodist Church in Ashland, Oregon. Visit us online at ashlandmethodist.org for more sermons like this, church information, and how to get involved. Ashland Methodist, a community of open hearts, open minds, and open doors. Thank you, Rebecca and Cole, for helping with first Sunday of Advent. Uh, It is the first Sunday of Advent. Uh, If you were a part of the Advent design team, raise your hand real quick. Look around. For some reason, they all sit in the back. Um, We have uh, teams of individuals that help us up. Who else? Who's up here? Oh, Lois, of course. Yeah, Lois was in charge of it this season. Uh, Forgot about you over there. Um, We have teams of individuals who help uh, lead our church in worship through design. You've heard me say this a number of times. Uh, And so uh, as we enter into this season of Advent, I'd encourage you to just kind of open up your eyes and take in some of the things that you see. There's symbolism hidden everywhere. And uh, one of the things that they did this season was they prepared a little document, which I think, did everyone get one of those in your bulletin? Okay, there you go. Just uh, take it home with you and maybe read through it, uh, bring it back or uh, whatever you want. But there's a lot of stuff in there that will help you understand Advent at a deeper level and hopefully as I began to say in the, at the beginning of this, that all plays a part in uh, what it means to gather for worship. Uh, one more quick announcement. Last week, I mentioned that the church uh, office and myself and Dorita had been working with the team of uh, ladies who for a long time have been leading us uh, in worship through preparing coffee and snacks every Sunday. And we've been working with them to try to provide an opportunity for them to step down and get a break. And so I teased this opportunity last Sunday. I want to, again, if you're at all interested or you care about things like fellowship, community, conversation, if you think you have what it takes to make a pot of good coffee, or I'll even settle for a mediocre pot of coffee, um, come talk to me or talk to Dorita or uh, Chuck in the office, and uh, maybe that's the sort of thing that you say, you know, I'm always here. I could do that every single Sunday or maybe every few Sundays or three Sundays. If you're interested in the slightest bit, come talk to us, and we'll see if we can work something out. Uh, I want to give you an overview of the season of Advent as we begin. So Advent is a season of four weeks that's leading us up to Christmas. And this year we're looking at four different themes. So we're going to look at hope, peace, joy, and love. Now those are usually traditional themes. Advent, does anyone know what the word Advent means? What did you say? Moving toward, that's pretty close, yeah. It means uh, like arrival, anticipation, uh, anticipation, waiting, uh, preparation. And so that is precisely what we're doing. We're moving toward Christmas. There is, of course, this undertone to the season of Advent. And sometimes we can hear it, and sometimes it's quite difficult to hear. Um, it's either comedy or tragedy that Advent is always sandwiched between Thanksgiving and Christmas where we have this rush of excitement and family and energy. And somehow, in the midst of that, we're called to try to be attentive and patient. There is this prophetic undertone. Uh, A while ago, I mentioned what I felt like the word prophecy means. Does anyone remember what what I said? (laughs) Not to put you on the spot, CJ. (laughs) The word, uh, the word prophecy, prophet, and prophetic are not words that we regularly encounter. 
In fact, if I stood up and said, I'm so honored to serve as your local prophet, you would all think I have this problem with my ego. <laughs> if I asked how well you liked my Sunday prophecy, you wouldn't come back next week. The words prophetic, prophet, prophecy don't get used very often. And because of that, we can kind of cringe when we hear it. And more often than not, we've seen it used in really negative or destructive ways. But when the word prophecy, prophetic, or prophet appears in the Old Testament, it's really talking about two things. The first is imagination. Prophecy is so deeply rooted in helping people imagine, however hard that might be, to imagine what it might look like to do things differently. It makes sense then that so many of the prophecies we encounter in the Old Testament come during times where it seemed like there was no other way, where it seemed like this is just how it will be forever and ever. So many of the prophecies came out of season of captivity and exile for the Israelites, where it was not out of question for people to be slaves, to be enchained, to have lost family and friends, to have lost your place of worship, to have lost your community, to have lost your status. And so when that word of prophecy comes in, it's not saying, I have a hunch about the future. I have this prediction. No, no, no. It, it's an invitation, a call to people to imagine what would it look like for us to do things differently. And that, of course, leads us to the second part, that prophecy is twofold. So the first is imagining a way that things can be done differently, and then the second part is inviting people into it. When I've seen a, a negative image of prophecy, it's usually just this one person, right? There's this person who says that they're a prophet, and they're casting out the prophecy, and you can either take it or leave it. But a true biblical prophecy is one that is always inviting people to embody, to play a role in making it happen. Imagination and invitation. Um, I need to apologize. We're reading from the book of Isaiah for the next four weeks, and when I was in seminary, my seminary professor was adamant that it's pronounced Isaiah, which in Hebrew actually makes sense. You know, I and then S-A-I, uh, so Isaiah. And so I'm confident that at some point I'm going to slip up and I'm going to say Isaiah. And I'm not gonna, I want to say Isaiah because when I say Isaiah, I feel like I'm too uppity. So. <laughs> Isaiah. Oh. Isaiah is a prophet. And by prophet, I mean he's a preacher called to help people imagine a way that things can be done differently and inviting people into it. Isaiah is writing at a time that's about 200 years until the city of Jerusalem is about to just get completely sacked. It's going to get torn down. People are going to get taken away into slavery. It's not out of the question that when these sort of major events happen in world history, you can hear it coming. When you think about the way that Rome fell, it didn't fall in one day like that. It was uh, invasion after invasion after invasion. So for the people that were a part of Jerusalem, they could feel something coming. Now, I don't think we're necessarily in for an invasion soon, but just think about your own lives. Think about seasons you've headed into where you've thought, this is difficult, and I've heard it coming for a long time. Maybe you saw it coming 
a week ago as you prepared for Thanksgiving. Three weeks ago. A year ago. And you just find yourself saying, this is going to be really, really difficult. It's that same sort of spirit that we have to remember as we read these words from the prophet Isaiah. It's someone who's speaking up on behalf of people saying, we feel something going on here that's really difficult. It's starting to get darker and darker. And there's a challenge for us to either give up or somehow try to imagine what it would look like for things to be different, for things to change. There has to be a way for us to invite others into that. Now, here's what I want to do. Let me uh, read to you these words from the prophet Isaiah. Uh, In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills, and all the nations shall stream to it. And people will say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, so that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Those are gardening tools, yeah? And no nation shall lift up a sword against the other. Neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk into the light of the Lord. I don't know if you feel it, but one of the challenges that I face every Advent is this sort of absurdity to it. Did any one of you, you don't have to raise your hand, but when you heard some of those lines, did you go, yeah, sure, We'll see. Nations stopping the practice of war. People taking swords and spears, or tanks and machine guns, bombs, turning them into tools for gardening. No, no, no. No way, not in my lifetime. Did any one of you think that? There is this sense of Advent, especially as we enter into weeks where we're talking about hope, and peace, and joy, and love, that we can get swept up in this sort of holiday spirit, Thanksgiving and Christmas. But that's difficult for many of us, because we can hear the footsteps coming, the sound of an invasion that's looming, the sound of something difficult that we know is inevitable. And so the question that we face, especially as we begin the season of Advent, is what does it look like then to reimagine hope? What does it look like for us to envision a prophetic hope, a hope that is both imagining a way that things could be different and a hope that's inviting others to join in that? The same question is for the other weeks of Advent. What does it look like for us to imagine a a different kind of peace, different from the ways we're doing things now. And what would it look like to be, what would it look like to invite people into that peace? You know, one of the things that I I find so challenging, again, about uh, beginning the season of Advent is that, I'm speaking for myself, uh, 
all around me are holiday decorations. Culturally, I'm told that I should be joyful, that I should be playing Christmas music, right? And I, and I try to do that, and I try to get excited about the holidays, and then when I think about hope, I go, that's kind of hard. That's, that's a hard pill to swallow. Sometimes it's hard to be hopeful. Uh, I need someone to help me out with an illustration here. You don't have to talk. I just need you to jingle. A, yeah, yeah. I need, I need a volunteer. Someone. There we go. Maz is going to do it. Thank you. All right, Maz, you're going to help me out here. I'll meet you right here. Okay, Maz. Hold that. Brilliant. Thank you. Uh, you're doing great so far. Um, no, not yet. Uh, you have to remember that when books like the book of Isaiah were written, only one person would really have a copy to that scroll. And it wouldn't have made sense anyway if multiple people had copies because not everyone could read. And so books like the book of Isaiah were really meant to play a role in the community that's similar to theater. People would gather around to hear a powerful word read aloud. And especially something like prophecy, especially something that's really addressing something that we feel deep down inside, especially something that's meant to inspire us, something that's meant to help us rethink, something that's supposed to challenge us, Prophecy has this sort of like folk art to it. And it kind of makes sense when I think about the beginning of the church year, because as it was planned, this, this is the beginning of a new church year, the first Sunday of Advent. And the words that were chosen to begin a new year were these words from the prophet Isaiah. And the challenge for me, though, is that I'm already heading into Christmas holiday season. And it affects the way that I'm imagining hope. So here's what I want to do. Maz is going to help us out, and I want you to, you're just going to jingle that bell like crazy. And, uh, yeah, that's wonderful. And maybe not too crazy. Uh, now, I just want you to, just, I just want you to hear, just listen to the word of the prophet Isaiah read aloud, and uh, consider how it's helping you imagine hope. Ready? Here we go. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction. Come on, keep it going. And the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks, and no nation shall lift up a sword against the other, neither shall they learn war anymore. Wonderful, Maz. Thank you so much. It was just a stellar job. Thank you. Ah, the holiday spirit. Of course, that's not the reality that I live in, right? I need another volunteer. Let's get someone else to come up here and help me out. Yeah, come here, Jan. Um... All that. That, of course, is not quite the backing track that I have going through my head at the moment, especially in our country over the last three weeks. 
What I've experienced is pain, divisiveness, anger, frustration, confusion, separation between people. I remember when uh, Barack Obama was elected the first time. What was the campaign that he ran on? Hope and change, yeah. Hope and change. I remember one of the things that we as people just remembered over the last eight years is that sometimes hope is a lot harder to bring about. It's one thing for someone to say, I've got some great plans for hope. And sometimes we can buy into that and go, he's got hope. And he can bring it in like it's this product. But often we find ourselves in these situations where hope is less like something that we can just gift. Here's the hope. And a lot more like something that Isaiah is talking about. The way that Isaiah describes hope is bending and twisting metal that's used for killing others into tools that can help create gardens. Just take note of that. The way that Isaiah is describing hope sounds a lot less like joyful sleigh bells and a lot more like the groans of people beating metal. So here's what I want to do. If this is meant to be some sort of dramatic greeting, I feel like the clanking of metal is a much better sound. Oh, that's just brilliant. <laughs> so here's what I want to do. And then I th maybe, Jen, if you could help me out and play like a nice, like a nice low. Oh, that's just brilliant. This is almost too good. You're too rhythmic. <laughs> just keep going. <laughs> In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains. Hit that thing harder. Yeah, there you go. Many people shall come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord. Let's go to the house of God. For there he may teach us his ways so that we can walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord. God will judge between the nations and will arbitrate between the divisive people. And then they shall beat their swords and their spears into gardening tools. And no nation shall lift up a sword against the other. Neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Thank you, thank you. If any of you have a, a Christmas sing-along in the next three weeks, I encourage you to bring these two um, tools. Let me ask you, I know that was over the top almost, but what, what difference do you even feel between the two? I said the same thing. Do you feel any sort of difference between them? Oh, that's interesting. More dramatic. Oh, that's absolutely more dramatic, yeah. It sounds harder. It's harder, yeah. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. I was 
Standing Rock, yeah. What's happening there? Yeah. There, there is this sense in which when I read the beginning of the words from today's text, the thing that, the thing that catches my attention most are these four words. This is the way that our text begins. In days to come. In days to come. And so when I read the rest of the passage and I think about nations stopping war and people giving up guns for shovels, I think we're not there yet. And then I remember the prophet saying, in days to come, in days to come. When I read this, I almost hear this sort of rhythmic bass line that's setting the tone for something that will keep playing. We're not there yet. Reading this text of imagination sounds absurd. And yet, it's helpful for me to remember that that is precisely what Advent does. It invites us to consider the impossibilities. It challenges us to be like Mary, who simply says, upon finding out that she's pregnant, how can this be? This is not possible. This does not make sense. And so um, I'm confident that as we begin the season of Christmas and the season of Advent, I, I know that each and every one of you will find a way to celebrate hope and peace and joy and love. And I know that you'll be able to celebrate um, and cherish moments of happiness and joy and singing. But if any one of you had an absolutely wretched Thanksgiving... And the way that you've begun your Advent is more with an explosion than the lovely sound of sleigh bells. If any of you are finding yourself saying, it's starting to get darker and darker and darker. And if any of you are starting to feel like, I'm losing sight of the way forward. If any of you feel like work will not get better, the relationships between your friends and your family will not get better. If you're starting to feel like, there's no way you're going to turn this corner. There's no way this is going to be reconciled. There's no way this problem is going to be solved. Then it might be helpful to remember that that prophecy from Isaiah continues to play on. Hear that low boom, just setting a tone. Remember that the sound of hope that Isaiah is describing is the sound of people fighting for change, taking tools to beat and bend and break weapons of destruction into items for possibility. I'm wondering if maybe as we begin the season of Advent and as we imagine what hope might look for us, how hope might look for us, I wonder what it would be for us to invite others into doing work. If we're not there yet, we have work to do. If we're not there yet, we have work to do. And the prophet will play on. He'll have that persistent voice in days to come, in days to come, in days to come. 
So as we move forward, let me simply offer the same invitation that the prophet offers. Oh, house of Jacob, oh, oh, church, come and let us walk in the light of the Lord as we seek to imagine what hope might look like and as we invite others to join in.